This is Coda Radio, episode 82, for December 30th, 2013. You're listening to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our fantastic sponsors, GoDaddy, Ting, and DigitalOcean. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this excellent show goes on. Speaking of excellent, joining us on the East Coast every single week for 82 weeks is our excellent host, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Boy, we're back. <laughs> Mickey, my holiday was awkward and weird. I missed you. Mondays I without know. Mickey are, uh, well, it's not Monday worth having, to be honest with you. I don't want it. But Chris, <laughs> what's about Monday with Jar Jar? <laughs> I'll skip Mondays with Jar Jar. Uh, it was a little weird last week because we pre-recorded last week's episode. And then and then uh, 8.30 rolls around and I'm like, something's not right. Something's not right. And then about, uh, about 9 o'clock, uh, that's actually when I started to get distracted. But it hit me. I was like... I know what it is. I miss Mike. It was awkward, man. It was weird without you last Monday. So let, we, we should not do that again. Like, uh, I'll just, in fact, when I'm on my honeymoon, we'll do it. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that'll that's dedication. <laughs> my dog says Guten Martin. Oh, hello. What's the dog's name? Bailey. Hi, Bailey. So um, I have an update to give you. Speaking of the holiday. There's another Fisher coming into the world. Oh, geez, boy. Oh, man. I, you'll hear you'll hear a little more uh, weight in my voice if that's the case. No, uh, so remember a couple episodes ago we got on the topic of French presses, right? Bonjour. Yeah, well, the wife uh, picked up on that, and uh, she got me uh, the, the Aero Press from uh, Arobi, and uh, I haven't tried it yet because I wanted to talk to you about what I need to do bean-wise, but I have it right here in my little hands. So on the next week of Quarter Radio, I'll be drinking a cup of AeroPress coffee. How about that? Now that is hardcore. So you're even more hardcore than me now. Oh yeah, I you're joining you had, the ranks I, of of crazy iOS developers everywhere. I thought you had an AeroPress. No, I just have a plain old French press. Oh, that's right. It was French press. Well, this is a French press. This is a fancy one. Yeah, this is a much more. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. So yeah. it's called to- what you're doing is called total immersion brewing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow, really? I like totally immersing immersing myself. So, what do you think I should? should is there a place like a good place I can order beans online, or do I have to actually go somewhere? There is, and I oh, actually, um, hmm. Well, there's a local place by me that I think does online called the Barbaric Bean. Oh, that sounds manly. Well, they have a number of flavors. Some of them are very unmanly. Oh. Um, but they do. I'm on their website right now. This is live coffee ordering right here. Nice. Oh, you better hurry on, Chris. Uh, they ha- their autumn bla- blaze blend is not going to be available for much longer. I also got myself for the holidays um, the uh, the complete Star Trek collection on Blu-ray. Amazon had like a crazy good sale on it for a couple of days. Now, when we say Star Trek, are we saying Yavol, I'm the Borg, or are we saying it's how the, you doing? It's the original movie collection. So it's, oh, the it's the, from the motion picture to uh, to uh, Nemesis. Yeah. Oh, dude, Nemesis creeps the shit out of me. Yeah, Nemesis is creepy. So, all right, well, that's not where we're here gathered here today. No, uh, this week on our 82nd episode, it is our last episode of 2013, and uh, as is becoming tradition because we did it last year, 
uh, we're going to do a little uh, predictions episode. And uh, Mike actually did a little homework and listened to last week's episode before the show, which was more than I did because I actually forgot we did a predictions episode. I listened to last year's episode. Right, but, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but before we get to that, we should read a little bit of emails because we did get some good ones. Uh, we actually got a lot because we were off, but we kind of whittled it down to uh, to the ones we wanted to talk about this week. And if you want to email the show, you can. Radio at jupiterbroadcasting.com or pop the contact link. And then uh, pontificate away in that little uh, box that we provide for you, and we'll read it on a future episode of the show. Sounds good. David writes in. He says, uh, with 2014 coming around the corner, I'm looking to ditch some of my old ways, and that includes programming web applications with PHP. I've been looking into both... <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that's no good. It is a jackass. Node.js has its strength. Wait, wait, Barack, Barack. How's that healthcare.gov doing? Hello, everybody. Oh, ouch, ouch. Uh. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. So uh, he says, I've been looking into both express.js framework and node.js framework and the played 2.0, of course, for Scala, and I cannot really figure out which is the clear winner. Node.js has its strengths in using JavaScript, which is a language that most developers are uh, common with. And the learning curve is low. Scala comes off as one of the fastest languages on the JVM, but the language looks tough to learn. When comparing easy-to-read languages like JavaScript and Python, the functional style of coding is really confusing. When comparing Express.js and Play Frameworks, Play is more of an MVC model. And if I wanted to get into Node.js, I would have to create my own MVC or use ones like Sales.js. Express seems to be looser in conventions of code structure, and I can see that as a bad thing for some coders. However, in past episodes, Mike has made comments about Node.js being the next dude-bro language, and he's personally used Play in the past for projects. Whether it was for Java or Scala, I really couldn't figure out. For a guy looking to hunker down and learn language frameworks for future deployment, do you think Node.js or Play with Scala is my best bet? I heard both are very fast, and Scala really benefits from the JVM. Thanks for putting out a great show every week. Hard questions, Mike. Hard questions. That was a beefy email, and before I answer, I need to take a sip of my beer. Holy crap. Mm. <laughs> yes, this answer is brought to us by Goose Island, a brewery out of Chicago. Oh. We're enjoying their Ten Hills Pale Ale. Now, this is not quite an IPA, but it's, it's like an IPA's little brother. Well, I don't know if SMB in FLA listens to Coda Radio, but uh, I got a box on my doorstep a couple of days ago. And it was filled with bear. I'm sorry. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome. So just saying, uh, I got I got a beer stash now in the garage. It's pretty cool. And beer pizza? Yeah. So what do you think about uh, David's predicament here? Hmm. So, well, I'll answer the easiest question first. I uh, am using Java Play, not Scala Play, though I'm thinking of doing Scala. Um, I would say it's all personal preference i mean it seems like he's a little scared of the functional paradigm which is probably not good you probably need to get into that a little bit because that's going to be very popular going forward but java play might be the easiest learning curve if that makes sense yes that does make sense because there's so much of it and i would i would caution you on node only because there are very very few legitimate uses of node what when I say Node, I mean event-driven Node. If you're using Node the right way, right? We've been through okay. this yeah, yeah, hundreds yeah, of times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, you could totally clone Rails in Node. Like, you could do it. Yeah, but <laughs> I see what you're saying. I'm not sure why you would want to. Hey-oh. Um, 
I don't know, man. I mean, if this is just a pet project, why not play with them all a little bit and see what you like? Sure. I mean, certainly Scala and uh, Node might feel very foreign to you coming from PHP, but... Yeah, you know, I don't, a lot of times my approach with this kind of thing is I do my initial research where I think is probably where he's at right now. Then yeah. I kind of hunker in on what I think is the right approach. I use it for quite a while, and then usually something tempts me to try the other thing I was considering. I give it a shot for a little while. I make a whole hog switch over to it. I declare that I have, you know, I have changed alliances, and I now wrote for the other team. I live that other team for a little while, and then eventually go back to the thing I originally settled on. I but, literally did that with .dot and Java yeah. like four times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just the way the mind works. I think, um, and you know, if you if whenever you get stuck or whenever you're running a limitation, or like, you know, not to make this about me, but like this last week, um, I I, I got back into the whole editing pipeline thing again, mm, and so sure. I switched to other editors again just to try to see if I could make it work and you know live that for a little while, and I eventually go back to my original tool set, um, and I think that's just part of the learning process too, and, and validating that you've made the right choice. I think in the long run, it's actually a good thing because it, it gives you an informed opinion about the alternatives. Uh, yeah, I would also say, um, you know, I, I feel like we get these questions all the time and it, it really does come down to personal preference. But one thing I don't think I've ever really mentioned that really plays a big part for me is the community behind the language. I don't mean that a corporate language is bad. I just mean, you know, no matter how long you've been programming, if you're changing platforms and frameworks, you're going to have some noob questions for those platforms and frameworks, right? Sure, sure. Um, and if someone giving you a jerk-off response, not safe for work now, by the way, uh, is not good, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's frustrating. You need someone to not be a tool because especially I think people find that they like to show off a little bit and some communities, this is particularly bad in the Linux space, like to tear people down who have questions that might be very entry-level for that particular technology. Yeah, those are people who are generally there for ulterior motives than to help people. Like It's a bit of an ego boost. Right, and they're, they're maybe trying to promote their, quote, brand or something like that, mm, and they're trying yeah. to show off. Yeah. Um, I, I would but keep that in mind, right? There are some communities that are far more or less friendly than others. Are you implying one of those that he asked is more friendly than the other? Well, some of them are huge, right? Like the Java community is gigantic. So you're going to have all kinds. You're going to have all kinds. Uh, The node community is actually not that bad. They're a little dismissive of everything else, but they're actually kind of, they're, they're honestly, they're, they're the Ruby hipsters times too. Like they're the same guys. I have had prickly interactions with PHP people, but that's probably because I didn't talk to them. I can't imagine you having that. I mean, it's not like not like you've incited their anger. Yeah, some kind of issue. I would also say that like VB.net people get really defensive. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the people. It depends on the community. I mean, I hate to say it, but generally online on forums, people are jerks, right? So if you are learning something new, go to Stack Overflow, where there's a moderator who's going to shut that down. But I don't know. Hmm, I don't know how how much that matters for him, but I I just figured we throw it out there as like a little PSA. Yeah, that's a good point. Because we, we've gotten emails from people who who have like put code up there and been yelled at by somebody trying to show off on Twitter or on a blog or whatever. I'm like, it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you, if you didn't write the code, you don't know what the intentions behind it were. So yeah. 
All right. Let's just move on. Well, next email comes in from Matt uh, with one T. It's strange. It's odd. There's a missing T. He says, I always uh, have to say I love all the Jupiter Broadcasting shows. Made the holiday drive a lot shorter. I was curious what your guys' opinion was regarding the viability of C-sharp on Linux development through Mono. Thanks, Matt. What do you think about Mono on Linux, Matt or Mike? Uh, when's the last time he went to monoproject.org? <laughs> Mono's not in good shape. Uh, Xamarin's kind of taken it over, right? And right, they're, right. I mean, it's not any worse than it was before. <laughs> no. It's just the, the, the current, and to be fair, Xamarin, I mean, I, I actually did an evaluation. Um, I wrote them and they sent me, you can just download now, but before you had to write them, an evaluation of their mobile offerings. And it's actually very good. It's also extremely expensive. Um, but the desktop stuff, other than Mono Mac, which they've again continued to develop, yeah, isn't any better than it was two years ago. Yeah, so, and it's definitely fallen out of favor, although I still see it in use on the Linux desktop. <clears throat> I'd say it's not uh, Yeah, preferred. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm just saying don't... Ex- it, 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 it's, it's a, quote, finished technology, right? It, it, it's like using WinForms. They're not changing it. Right. It's kind of where it is. Okay. That's yeah, easy so. enough. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, excuse me. I'm choking on my uh, my beverage a little bit. I want to, you know what? Why don't we take a pause right here and thank our first sponsor. <clears throat> As I die, save me, GoDaddy. GoDaddy.com, first sponsor of the Coda Radio program. Now, it is the beginning of a new year. Not quite yet, but we do have a little way to celebrate the new year, and that was a great new deal from the GoDaddy. When you're over at GoDaddy.com, use the promo code 295CODER to get a new .com for $2.95. Additional years are like nine ninety nine, so that's still a great deal. Great to have a, a, this dot-com deal back from GoDaddy. At $2.95, I'm buying dot-coms for everything, my friends. But if you want to take 30% off anything new, use the promo code 30DEAL2 over at GoDaddy. 30% off anything brand new. Hosting, domain, whatever it is you're getting. They gave us a great code. Two great codes, so 30DEAL2 and two ninety five coder. GoDaddy is, of course, the world's number one domain name registrar. And if you're working in a team... If you're developing software, if you're part of a business, if you have clients, GoDaddy is an excellent domain name registrar. It's probably it's probably the best choice out there, and it's the one I've used for years. Totally recommend GoDaddy. It's great for collaborative projects. It's great for things that you just want to make sure that you can register and get access to it years down the road. Things that are important to you, it's important you pick the right domain name registrar, and that's why GoDaddy is great. So Coder, or two ninety five Coder, or thirty deal two to get thirty percent off anything. But that two ninety five Coder, it's easy to remember. And you get a .com for $2.95. So a big thank you to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. <clears throat> I'm still a little, I still have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a cold going on. You know, like when you get the cough and then like pretty much all symptoms clear up except for like the, like yeah. the cough stuff itself. Yeah, I know. You sound it a little bit. Yeah. I know. It's, and the whole family's sick. It's, it's one of the, it's one uh, of the, it's the winter, man. I tell you what, oh. I tell you what, Mike, there's a lot of things. The holidays, in a sense for me are also a little bit kind of like getting sick because it just yeah. takes a lot out of me. Um, you know, we, cause we have uh, multiple families that we go and visit. So there's a lot of traveling, seeing a, there's a lot, seeing a lot of family, a lot of family in like a really condensed amount of time. Oh, and if there's little kids involved, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. Three of them, as a matter of fact. Yeah. That's, that's not good. But that's all done. We're done with it now. And it's time to look ahead, man. It's time to look into 2014. So how do, we, how do you want to kick this thing off? Where so do you want to start? I'd actually like to look into the past yeah. first. Yeah. Okay, good. I like doing so that too. This time, 2012, almost to the day, Chris, we whipped out our crystal balls. Yeah. Sacrificed a goat. 
we made some predictions. Now, let's start with the good first. We were both spot on that Dell would just kind of drop Sputnik like a top. Oh, uh, yeah, that's too bad, huh? I mean, technically you can still buy one, but come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was perhaps a little bullish on Windows 8. Yeah, yeah. That may have been hashtag wrong. And I was, I would say, bearish on Windows 8, right? And may have been hashtag right. <laughs> uh, we both were a little bearish, I mean, bullish on Canonical at the time. Yeah. Could not have been more wrong. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Steam, very bullish. Wrong again. Oh, really? I would say we're wrong, right? Because we were expecting like a pro- – or I was. It, you were more conservative, but I was expecting a proliferation of Steam boxes. And um, Oh, yeah. And now we're <clears> – <throat> well, we're yeah. going to maybe see the first hints of that at CES in a couple of weeks. Yeah, at this point. But that's the rumor. But Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Valve has said that we're going to see some Steam boxes. Yeah. I just don't know what exactly to expect. Uh, I was expecting Apple to merge iOS and Mac OS X. Oh, <laughs> wow. I remember only, that one. Not only did they not do it, they did a total backpedal for Mountain Lion and have made Mac OS more like a desktop operating system again. Right, which was um, yeah. a surprising move, actually, because I, I think I probably agreed that yeah. they were going more in that direction. To be fair, though, they had to fire Scott Forstall first, um, right? And we didn't. We totally didn't predict iOS seven re- redoing. No, right? I, I, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to get Fisher Priceified. Right, kind of. right. So uh, that was a big change, and we also didn't see Mir coming for the Ubuntu side. Uh, but I feel like the Microsoft side of things was pretty much as expected. Yeah, we were. I think I was positive on Azure, which Azure's actually done pretty well, right? And do we have uh, anything to say about the Xbone or anything like that? We didn't. We were surprised and quiet. We we were very yeah. negative on. Um, well, we 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 only touched it in the tertiary. We said that we thought they would open up Sony and Microsoft by the end of this year. Oh right, didn't. right. Um, yeah, but it looks like they are now with the other platforms, with the new platforms, right? All right. So, what we say we about suck a little? What do we say about the Ouya? Dead. It was already in trouble. Oh, okay, okay, good. I'm we glad are, that we, we didn't are, blow that one. Right. We already said that the Wii U was going to die, but again, it was already in trouble. Um, and I think it's fair to say that it's on life support. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, well, I've been I've been tempted to pick one up because of the classic. I have games. too. It's just the price. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that was basically it. We we actually spent a, a surprising amount of time harshing on Canonical that episode. Well, surprising? Not really. No, not really. Yeah. So I, I would like to make some more bold predictions. And of course, you know, beauty <laughs> before brains. So you go first. Oh, wow. All right. Well, let me uh, comb the hair. So uh, 2014 prediction. I want to start with Microsoft. I feel like that's pretty ripe for the picking. So uh, 2014 is the year we'll see the bomber transition. And uh, Okay, well, that's not exactly a prediction. No, no. But I believe there is. I believe that is where the fruit lie. Is in was in the outcome of that. <clears throat> so, boy, I I would love to be bold right now and say it's Elop. I think that would be amazing oh, if I call that. Oh, really? I don't know if it is actually going to be Elop. Elop. I'll tell you who it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be the Ford guy. I don't think it's going to be uh, Malawi. So I don't think so. If they do Elop, they should get those bankruptcy papers ready to go, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, make sure his bonus is structured so that. Yeah, uh, if we forget about Chapter Thirteen, just go go eleven, go 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 gold. <laughs> Um, uh, so I'll really? say Elop. I'll say Elop. Although that's that's I'm not too firm on that. But um, I, I all right. I say Sachin and Delhi. I think that's it's going to be a year of transition for yeah. for this. And I think this the CE you don't swap out the head of the monster 
and just have everything. You don't. I, I mean, I don't expect that Microsoft's going to be firing on all cylinders this year. But they will be. My bet is whoever the CEO is is going to do a lot of firing. You think? Absolutely. That's, I think they need some middle management house cleaning. Yeah, boy, do they. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd almost, you'd almost, you'd almost see a drop down in the, you'd almost see an uptick in the unemployment numbers if they have so much middle management. They do have a lot of PMs and PPMs or whatever they call it. So I think the things that have momentum now, like the X Bone, uh, will, will, I think it'll be a good year for the Bone. Um, yeah, I don't, I, 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 well, I think it'll be a good year for the Bone, but I think the CEOs, I really do think it's going to be Tata Nadelli. Nadelli, I always say his name wrong, but the Azure guy. <clears throat> oh, interesting. That the enterprise guy. That'd yeah. actually be pretty smart. Well, because who picks the CEO, the board of directors, and what do they care about? The share price and profitability. I hope. I hope you're right. Actually, I hope it's not Elop because yeah, Elop. I don't know why they would pick Elop. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Windows Phone market share increases, and it's a pretty yep. it's a pretty healthy increase, but it's still a Fails distant North America. Yeah, it's yep. it's still a distant third. Um, but it becomes the clear third, like a very, I mean, if it's not already. And, and, it's already a clear third, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's my kind of my Microsoft. That's what I have in my Microsoft crystal ball. Any, uh, you have any Microsoft? Uh... Well, only Satya Nadella. And uh, I don't think they will become the enterprise company that, you know, money wants them to be. Or I think they should be. Yes. But I, I, I do think that they will improve the relationship with indie developers on the Xbone side. They should, yeah. That, you think maybe the come. Steam Box will drive that, or do you think I that's think just that will regardless? Come after enough bad blood, I think something is going to happen, and, and it's just going to change. Um, you know, we already have all these developers like refusing. What was um, the Braid guy? Won't even talk to them. Right, right. right yep. They approached him and he told them to go bang off. Yeah. Enough of that. They're going to have to just say, okay, open App Store. Uh, I actually think they're going to, with Project Cortana, which is their Siri-like thing, I really think that they're going to do what Apple pretended like they did with Siri. Hmm. And what Google's actually pretty close to doing with Google now. But I just feel like they have the, you know, Microsoft Research is a very good research department, right? I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're like Bell Labs, right? They're top of the class. If anyone can do it, I think it's them. And I don't think it's Apple. I really don't. Because Apple's not... In, I don't know, Chris. Would you agree that Apple's not really super technical? I mean, they're, they're obviously a hardcore tech company, but they're more of a design company. They're run by designers for the most part. Mm, I I mean, I do agree, but I also think that's part of the, the image they try to sell. Mm, I just don't think Apple has the will to invest what needs to be invested in that kind of voice technology. Though they right. certainly have the capital. Well, they're partnered with Nuance for that. Well, they bought them. They didn't partner to them. Oh, they bought them. They oh. straight up bought them. Yeah. Well, so maybe a- maybe you're right. Maybe that's the maybe Apple will just buy their way in. Okay, so but here's here would be my counter argument to that would be the A7. Fair point. They're yeah. Actually, you're right. Their whole chip manufacturing operation is deeply technical, and they're doing yeah. So I'm wrong. Okay. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I mean, they just they it's it's that they just choose not to do some things that are. Well, I think they publicize the designers and the oh, design for sure, stuff. Yeah. Well, they want to be they, a they want to be a like a jewelry brand, right? But they kind of cover up the fact. That, oh, we also design and manufacture chips, right? And you know, you look at the manufacturing process for that new Mac Pro. It looks pretty yeah. high tech. No, that's a fair point. You guys are right. The Apple is very techy. They got me with the design stuff. All right, here's my real prediction. Okay, Docker. Oh, oh, you got a Docker prediction. It's the top of my list. Okay. Docker will get well-due laurels, right? Well-due honors from me, from other people. 
but we're also going to see the fanboyism towards Docker. I'm already a Docker fanboy. We're going to see people using Docker when it's inappropriate and just oh. using it to solve everything. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Yeah. Because I'm more tempted to do that. And then probably towards <laughs> the end of this year, we're going to see a backlash against Docker. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I you know, jails on BSD, there's all, it's almost like there's just, they're still coming up with ways to use that thing. So, um, well, I, I no, I think Docker's here to stay. I mean, Docker's yeah. okay. thing. I'm yeah. just saying that people are going to like rails is here to stay. Right. Oh, you mean but, people are going to use it in ways it's not really meant for and then blame Docker for it. That kind right. of thing. Ways yeah. where it's inappropriate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I could totally see that happening. Um, I'll make a Docker prediction. Then while we're talking about Docker, um, you'll start to see, I think you're going to start seeing um, community Docker repos show up where um, people will create, um, maybe it's for development purposes, uh, maybe it's for uh, something like building Gnome OS, something like that, where you'll see developer, you'll see teams of developers who are who have who run their own Docker repos and they, and they kind of become public, kind of like you have public tracking of virtual machines today, where you can go find uh, appliances just to download for VirtualBox or VMware. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's already a thing, dude. Well, there's the official Docker repos, right, there's the official one. but I'm talking like 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 web front ends to this, sort of like full like like, a, like the GitHubification of this because you can already well, get people. no like a like a front end library to like how you have these virtual machine appliance libraries and you go there and you say oh I want an Ubuntu machine with Apache installed and it'll like search the site and you'll have like different contributors who have ranks maybe it's like some sort of karma system where people upvote the better Docker container right that kind of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I think sure. you'll see some sort of community um, Reddit style sorting of good Docker containers and. You'll see people passing entire software environments around as it is like a single software package. In fact, wouldn't that be awesome if Docker yeah, could I, completely? I guess I could see that. Yeah. What if Docker could become completely self-contained, almost into like an executable bin file that you run, and it just decompresses and, and creates the Docker environment right there on the machine? So, like, it, so if you have a, a Linux program for download on your website, you don't right. you don't actually have some you don't have the user download the binary of the program. You have them download this Docker container, and they just download and run it, and it's like an entire virtual environment for the one application. That'd be pretty cool, too. Mm, I'm not sure I would go that far. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be creative uses of Docker. Yeah. Yeah. Creative uses. Okay, I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll leave so it at that. So you kind of mentioned the whole web front-end thing. I'd like to talk about GitHub. Okay. Uh, I think this last year has been marred by security breaches and instability for GitHub. And when I say I would think, I say I know that because it's a public record. I think GitHub is either going to shape up in 2014 or someone's going to displace them. Wow. Or start to. Yeah. Um, I've said time and again that if GitHub's down for a couple hours and that disrupts your workflow, that means you're probably using Git wrong. But the problem is GitHub has integrated project management, bug tracking, and all of those other services into the repo. So now GitHub being down, if you're using the full GitHub workflow, does screw up your workflow. And any more, you know, major security breaches, regardless if it's their fault, Rails's fault, or somebody else's fault, I, th- I think they're going to have to beef it up a little bit. I, also I would, would love to see that. Yeah, I also wouldn't be surprised if they decided to become more like Atlassian and offer more pri- more products and more services. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'd like to see them lower the core price of GitHub and then sell me other products on top of it. Yeah. Because I'm paying for features I don't necessarily use. Um, 
but there are other things I'd like them to have that at last enhanced that they just aren't interested in doing. <clears throat> but which is, you know, one thing about GitHub that I, I find odd is that flat structure. Because occasionally you get something cool out of them, but sometimes it's like, well, these are all like things that aren't super, you know what I mean? There's not like one vision. For instance, you get a, you got a pseudo Metro GitHub client for windows, right? Yeah. Right after you got a Mac one, but you, not really seeing too many core new features that like make me want to pay more money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they have little things here and there. They fixed, they did some stuff with diffs. That's kind of cool, but nothing, nothing huge. And with the outages, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if they're limiting themselves, which have a huge effect on open source, right? Uh, Cause if people start turning away from GitHub. It, I think that'll be a major shift. I don't know about turning away. I mean, there's so much momentum, but I could definitely well, I, there's, see. There's, but there's a lot of momentum in the in the open source resume space, right? I'm thinking more of the yeah, exactly. corporate paid stuff. Yeah. Right? They're offering definitely feels like it's worth the price because it's really it's expensive. It's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. It's just the stability issues, the security issues. Uh, I don't know that they could necessarily have another year like last year. I could see that. I could see it could be a 2014 could be. I think they'll still have user base growth, but they'll struggle to find their core. Well, to be to be clear, I'm saying that if they don't have these issues, they'll be fine. But if they have another major security breach, like they did with the Rails assigned thing, where there was actually a few months ago, someone found a way where you can push a commit to someone else's private repo without having access. Um, <laughs> Which breaks all kinds of NDAs and all kinds of contracts, right? Sure. Um, I I don't know how much more of that they can survive. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and you and, know, and I think yeah, and I'd say right now that these issues have been kind of covered up because I think a lot of developers know that if they tell their PMs and tell their managers that GitHub is a problem, they'll be back to using something really crappy, hmm. SVN on a local server. Right. So it's the problem we don't want to talk about. It's the, yeah, I think it's the thing. Everybody's very forgiving of these problems. And yeah. I don't think they should be, but go on. To put it. Um, all right, well, I, my prediction kind of dovetails with yours a little bit in terms of uh, sort of building your own infrastructure and things like that. But before I get to mine, actually it'd be a great spot to mention our sponsor this week, and that is DigitalOcean. Talk about building your own cloud infrastructure. If you're not familiar with DigitalOcean, they're awesome. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in 55 seconds and pricing plans start at only $5 per month. You get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, a CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. For all of that, for $5, you know how much you're going to spend every single month and what you're going to get for it. I love that compared to a lot of these other hosting services. The interface has a super simple and intuitive control panel, which power users can replicate on a large scale using their very straightforward API. And DigitalOcean offers a vast collection of tutorials in their community section, which helps you get up and started really quick and fast. And furthermore, users can submit articles to the community. And if if you get published, 50 bones. DigitalOcean will pay you $50 if they publish your piece. And we have a link to that in the show notes. Now, here's the good stuff. Listeners of Coda Radio can get a $10 DigitalOcean credit by using the promo code Coda Radio December. Coder Radio December will get you a $10 credit. And if you get that $5 rig, I'll get you two months of DigitalOcean service. We got an email this morning um, from a, from a Coder Radio listener who said, uh, you know, I heard your DigitalOcean ad. I went over there, figured I'd just try it for a couple of months. 
and I'm going to keep it. I absolutely love it. First of all, the price is totally reasonable. Uh, the control panel is awesome, makes it super easy to spin up a system. And he threw on own cloud up there, and he's building his own cloud. And he says it's amazing. He's using the new uh, web ODF where you can do um, document editing in the web browser, all running off his DigitalOcean droplet. There's so many things you can do when you have root access to a super fast cloud machine. I mean, this these uh, SSD drives really make a difference. And that terabyte of transfer is a ton of transfer, and the speeds are fantastic. I've been running a rig up there for months now, and I'm really happy with the performance. I found out about DigitalOcean through Mike, actually, because he also uses DigitalOcean, and he raves about it. So go check him out. And, you know, one of the things Mike loves, and I think you might like, too, is DigitalOcean also offers pay-as-you-go pricing down to hourly. If you need to just test something for a little bit, you want to throw it up on a public server. And remember, with these droplets, you can create your own droplet, back it up, and then deploy it later for testing. Makes it really quick to get up and running and get your job done. DigitalOcean is great. Go to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODERRADIODECEMBER to get that $10 credit. And a really big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay. So my guess of... One of the big impactors of 2014 for tech companies and for um, individual contract developers will be the continued fallout of the privacy concerns around these NSA revelations. First of all, they're not done, right? Greenwald just recently said he's got more to come. We just had some big ones come out recently this this last couple of days. They're pretty disturbing releases, and I I don't know if it's going to be as publicly acknowledged as it should be, but I think you're so you already see that IBM might be facing a lawsuit because they didn't properly disclaim the amount of money they were going to lose as relation to these leaks. Cisco has said they're losing money now. Microsoft well, has labeled the NSA an advanced persistent threat and a, and a threat to their business. I mean, that's this is getting serious. Well, we even mentioned it a few months ago. I lost a reasonably large contract because of this. Because you're in the U.S. Right, and everything would. And this is going to be more and more of a problem. I think this is. I think this is going to be an ongoing issue, and um, I I don't know exactly. I I I'm trying to put myself back in my contractor's uh, uh, hat, and I'll tell you what the response from a lot of my uh, clients would be that would be concerned about this was would be reinvesting back in the land, right? Let's bring these servers back home, and in a way, like that's a great thing for contract workers because that's a lot more work. Right, because when it goes to the cloud, like so, the, the herd thins. Yeah, I mean, anecdotally, people who clients of mine who have like you know security information things like that, where they're a little more sensitive or HIPAA compliance, that's kind of been the solution. So, do you think maybe like these two things might come to a head where you have privacy concerns over the NSA, and now the new FCC chairman has been making noise about well, maybe implementing net neutrality would actually be a good thing. And so then you'll have different tiers of internet access. Maybe all of these things will come to a head and you'll have more jobs for developers to take some of these applications that are in the cloud and implement them locally. More jobs for IT technicians who need to deploy the servers. I I mean, in a way, could these NSA revelations be a good thing for software developer jobs? Or do you think it's all more bad because of the overall loss from like the global client perspective? I think it's overall going to be bad for U.S. software developers. Uh, There's certainly going to be a niche of companies that don't really, you know, have anything to hide, but are interested in keeping trade secrets, proprietary secrets. Right. Or they just have certain regulations that they have to do the best their ability to. The problem is, though, people always wave HIPAA compliance. 
you know, Azure became HIPAA compliant after the NSA stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think Google, there's been Google Apps business stuff that has been right. Yeah. So th- that's not really relevant. What, what is going to be more relevant is, you know, in, in my brief conversations about this with clients, no one really cares if the NSA is spying on customer data because a lot of them assumed they were anyway. Yeah, right? it's true. Or that, it's true. Or that government was, or that Google was. Everybody thought Google was doing it. People care, though, if they're developing a new product that's something truly unique. And that's where we're getting into not hosted servers, but LAN. Like, straight up no connection to the outside. Right. But that's so rare. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there are very few companies who have the wherewithal for a serious LAN setup or a serious internet, right? They really would have to have a business need. It'd have to, it, it'd have to be like... You know, I could see someone like a research lab doing it, like Bell Research Lab might. Mm. But then again, they probably wouldn't, right? I mean, the the level of secrecy needs to be like, you know, like DARPA style style secrecy. And even then, I, I don't think I, the only the only way I think what you're suggesting could happen is if there's an accidental breach at the NSA that causes a serious material loss. Right, because you don't really need to hide your business strategy from the government. You need to hide it from your competitors. Right. So that's probably where we're going to get. Yeah, I could see that. People that would be the only case I could see. Okay. So, um, yeah. So it's not. So you're thinking people won't change their general business strategy because of that. So therefore, it's going to end up mostly in a net loss of work. Okay. Oh, it's definitely going to be a net loss. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's a bit of a downer. That's a bit of a downer, but it's probably true. Sure sucks, uh, and I. But it's like, where do they go? Because what other governments aren't doing this at this point, right? Well, so, that, well, that's the thing. It's you know, if you think about it, if you're hosting source code in the cat cloud, that could be breached any time. Yeah, you know, really, the only those... answer is the LAN is storing it locally, and you know, having a firewall and right. But that's back to the bad old days where the building burns down and you lost, you know, a year's work of worth. Boy, it sucks. Work. This really yeah. sucks. It's a sucky. It's a sucky position to be in, right? So I, I don't think this is. You know, there's really not a way to spin this into a positive from a business perspective. Yeah, the only the only good thing is that, you know, a client who's from Europe and, and claims that this is the worst thing ever and that's why they can't do business with you. Well, most European governments were involved too, right? Particularly the UK. But you're asking people to be rational about what for them is probably an emotional subject. So do you have any predictions for like big app store changes or something, anything big in like Android or iOS? Not really. I think the app store race is kind of run. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh, about I, outside marketing, you think? Yeah, I think we're about where we're going to be in terms of pricing. And um, yeah. and now to know, get I, discovery, it's either you get placement or you have to find some sort of traction outside the store. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see a resurgence in paid apps. I don't see anything like, thing like that happening. So, so the value what, of software remains gutted. Well, I think we're going to see more aggressive subscription models. Um, mm. One thing that I'd like to see happen is more control from the platform vendors over how push notifications are used. Yeah. But Boy, wasn't, wasn't 2013 the year of in-app purchases? Holy crap. Everything now is just riddled with it. Everything. Yeah, and I think 2014 is going to be the year of the service, right? Where you're not buying an application, you're you're buying the service for a period of time. Yeah. 
Wouldn't that so maybe could the service be sold as an in-app purchase? Can they do they allow that? Like could I so could I like if I'm playing Plants vs Zombies, could they sell me a service where I automatically get coins every day? Like I get yes, but they would lose thirty percent. Right. Yeah. But they might be willing to take that loss if it meant they get to charge me every single day. They might. I mean, it depends. So the other thing is Apple's still pretty strict with subscriptions. What would probably happen is you'd have to pay prepay a month. And then uh, next month they could remind you. Right. Um, what, what I'm thinking more of is the, mean you know, Dropbox way of doing it where you actually have to go to the website, register an account, and then you just log in with the account. Because huh. uh, that also solves the piracy problem. Because then you don't care how many people have gotten the binary, right? Because everybody has to have an account to use. Well, so the do in-app per- general in-app purchases. Right. I'm saying if you want to avoid thirty percent, and I'm also saying if you oh, want to raise, right. yeah, if you want to raise prices again. Yeah, I wonder if Apple will make any changes in 2014 to some of those policies as they have to get more competitive. I wonder. If yeah, that- the only thing I've seen happen is like a lot of the more high-end Mac and iPad applications are just doing versions 2.0 and pulling version 1.0 from the App Store and charging for it like a new app. So um, we're looking. You know, I look back at Google over 2014 or 2013. Uh, huge success, really, with Chrome in general. And the Chromebooks really seem to be actually getting traction, even though I've laughed at them for a couple of years. Now I'm almost thinking it might be time to start taking them seriously, which is depressing in a way. Uh, and I was talking about it yesterday on the Linux Action Show. But now on my uh, my KDE desktop here, when I click the uh, menu, like the application menu, I have a folder entry for Chrome apps. Right. And they're just listed there now as applications on my computer. They're just they're but they're straight up Chrome apps. I have an IRC client and a Plex client that look like they are local apps, and it's pretty crazy. And I I, I wonder how that's going to go in 2014. Yeah, so like the Node WebKit kind of thing where it's yeah. local on your machine. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And you know you could see. So we've seen Google has gotten deals with OEMs to bundle Chrome with the machines. So I wonder if we wouldn't maybe start seeing some computers like at Costco and and other places that would be preloaded with Chromium web apps. Maybe they'd come like with Docs, Google Docs, quote unquote, already installed, and it'll be like listed as a feature on the box. Includes Google Office or whatever they call it, Google Drive or whatever. And you know, on when you log into the computer for the first time on on the on your tiles, I guess, you'd have a huge freaking flat square that says docs and a huge freaking flat square that says sheets or whatever they call it. And I wonder right. if maybe you'll start seeing Google make that kind of play where they're going right at Microsoft's uh local office installation. Yeah, I think you will. I mean there's already doc applications that'll do that, right? Mac has Rocket Docs. There's uh you're gonna see more of that, but I think ultimately also you're gonna see more acceptance of just using software in their web browser. I, I guess the distinction I'm making is the average user who buys that computer won't even realize they are not just locally installed programs. Right. And I think that's going to be a big thing for Google because that's sort of bridging that last like little air gap they haven't been able to get through before where in order to use Google services, they had to get you in the web browser and then get you on their site and then get you to sign up. And now if they can do these deals out of the gate, you're going to just see it that, that whole that whole hurdle has been completely cleared for them. And I think... I think, I think 2014 is going to be a huge year for Google. I'm actually um, more bullish on Apple than you are, too. I think uh, you're going to see a bigger iPhone in 2014. Um, if, you, if you paid attention, and I know this is reading the tea leaves ridiculously, but 
Tim Cook sent an email out to uh, the staff over the holiday, and he said they have, quote-unquote, big plans. I think that was a little tongue-in-cheek reference, too. A little tongue-in-cheek reference. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a bigger iPad this year and a bigger iPhone this year. Yes, I said bigger iPad. I think we're going to see a bigger iPad. It's going to, yeah, because they renamed this iPad to iPad. Right. I think we're going to see like an iPad Pro. Right, right. Uh, which is going to be awful for Microsoft. But, I, you know, I have a bigger prediction, and I think we've been doing kind of trivial industry things. I, here's something that more affects developers. Let's do it. Do you remember, and it's still around, that software craftsmanship movement? Yeah, the, the finely crafted software stuff. Right. These are the guys who want to do like professional certifications where you need to be certified to work. These are, I mean, that those are the extreme. Not all of them believe that, but that's the very extreme extent. Um, you know, they they want they basically want to equate software engineers to physical engineers, guys building bridges. Right. My bet is the fallout, and it's not going to happen immediately. Of healthcare.gov is going to give these guys a lot of ammunition, and this is going to do two things. If they ever pass something where you need to be certified to be a software developer, they'll thin the domestic industry and raise wages for current software developers. Right. I mean, I, I, I could see that. And it sort of limits who can get into a certain kind of job, which right. is good or bad, because one of the things about software development is it's a skill set that you build up over time. It's not like all of a sudden you just achieve level two. It's like it's a it's a progression. Well, the problem is, you know, you Architects have to be certified, but you can still get a shitty architect, right? For sure, yeah. I, I'm not sure that – I've always thought this is a bad idea, and I still think it is. <laughs> Your dog. The, yeah, my <laughs> dog just won't stop. <laughs> I guess people are driving down the street and he's following them. Because I could see a world where in five years I'm actually not legally allowed to program anymore. Whoa. Or allowed to program in a few fields, right? Because if you think about it, one of the strengths of the software industry is that it's been able to draw talent from liberal arts, from science, from other untraditional places, right? So a lawyer needs a law degree generally. I know in California you can actually take the bar without it, but generally a lawyer needs a law degree. Architecture needs to pass the architecture exams. This won't be good. It'll be good for some people will make a lot more money but the net result of this kind of thing if it happens in the u.s unilaterally will be more offshoring so i would almost think you'd see it pass somewhere else and then we'd we'd pass it here i don't know that's interesting no there's i see i'm i'm it's it's coming up in conversation it comes up every time there's a disaster yeah and people are trying to attribute the healthcare.gov problems to a technical problem mm-hmm. reality is the problem with healthcare.gov is that they kept changing the scope, or in this case, the law, more than 50% of the way through development, right? And they kept a firm deadline. So healthcare.gov is a lesson in, in old waterfall development and why people don't do it anymore, right? You have to be able to slip deadlines if you're going to keep changing scope. Uh, but for political reasons, of course, the administration didn't want to slip it because the other side would beat them up as a, you know, a failure. But I can already see even the way the media is pitching this as a technical problem. This is not a technical problem. But I don't yeah, know. it's interesting. And you know, the other, the other topic that comes up too is uh, um, holding developers liable for the bugs, for the flaws. 
So maybe there's like, it, uh, so here's, so the flip side of what you're saying, the, the eventual extension would be if you become certified, then you also could become eventually legal, legally liable for the flaws in your software. Potentially. I mean, you, you, you could already be right. Uh, the, the way you do that is everyone should have a corporation or LLC. And if someone sues you, just file bankruptcy Yeah, for the corporation. That's it. Um, interesting. Interesting. All uh, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's. I definitely, I definitely don't think we've heard the last of the healthcare.gov fallout. Yeah, I agree there. That's for sure. It's going to be ongoing. And if you remember, in 2012, there was a proposal to do this. We talked about it in one of our early episodes to have a, a board of certified software developers and make it mandatory to pass the exam. Um, yeah, I, I would yeah. be – I don't know if we'd see it happen in 2014, but I bet you see the conversation start in 2014. Well, I, I guarantee I bet you the conversation is going to come back, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let me tell you about Ting, and then I've got a, I've got a, I've got a zinger for you, Mike. Uh, so Ting, go to coderadio.ting.com. That's where you want to get started. That's mobile. That makes sense. My mobile service provider, and Ting is contract-free, and you only pay for what you use. It's, it's awesome. It's so great. I've been loving Ting for a while. Go over to coderadio.ting.com to get started. They'll take $25 off your first month of service if you have a Sprint-compatible phone or $25 off a phone if you don't have one. You're going to just be wowed by the way the Ting service works. So also, take a look at some of their devices. They have used devices and new devices. Here is a refurbished Samsung Galaxy S3 White, $296. That's not that's not a subsidized price. You would own that phone outright, and then you would only pay for what you use. It's pretty awesome the way this works. So each line that you get is a flat $6 per month. And Ting has a great video on their website. You can check it out too. $6 per month is the base cost. Then whatever you use after that, they take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. They add them all up at the end of the month. Whatever bucket you fall into, that's what you pay. It's really great. So if you have a heavy month like the holidays where you're making a lot of phone calls, that's what happens to me. I don't have to worry about going over. There's no overages. I, I, I just pay for what I use. And, and then when, on the months when I don't use the phone as much, I don't end up paying a bunch of money into like a, I'll be honest, my previous smartphone contract was around $120 a month. This, I, my average bill is usually somewhere around $20. Sometimes it gets high up to $30, $33. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And the great thing is, is all of the lines on my account all share the same pooled minutes. So that's really handy as well. And they all have included hotspot and tethering. So I've got devices with LTE in them. I've got devices with, uh, um, uh, uh, not, uh, not Edge. What's the, uh, oh, YMAX. I've got devices with YMAX. So wherever I'm going, I'd bring the right device and I just turn on the hotspot and tethering and it just uses my data plan. It don't, I don't have to have some sort of special extra plan to get tethering. I love Ting. There's so many great reasons to go over to Ting. You should go check them out. And they have a savings calculator. You can go over there and plug in your bill info and see what I've been talking about. We get emails from folks all the time that have been switching to Ting. I just got an email from a guy who moved over a, a group of, uh, of his office over to Ting, and they're loving it. They started with one guy. It worked great. And then they moved the rest over, and now it's totally awesome. And Ting actually, I don't know see if they still have a sale right now. They were, they did have the HTC One on sale. Yeah, it's still on sale right now, thirty bucks off, and then also our twenty-five dollar discount if you go to coderadio.ting.com. I love the HTC One. It is probably my favorite phone of twenty thirteen. Um, and you know what's funny is like uh, some of the other uh, some of the other networks are just going to be adding the HTC One in uh, Q1 of 2014. So for some networks, it's still a brand new device. They got a lot of great devices. Everything from uh, Windows devices 
and uh, Android QWERTY keyboard devices to uh, even a flip phone. If you just want a simple phone, you can get us with our discount. If you go to coderadio.ting.com, you can get the Kyocera Kona for $63. No contract, and you only pay for what you use. If you just need a simple, straightforward phone, like an actual phone phone, you know, this would do it. It actually does have a 2-megapixel camera, too. And the battery probably lasts for a few days in this thing. Uh, this is a really great option. Like, yeah, Kyocera Kona. If you don't need a smartphone, you just need a, a good standard feature phone, and you don't want to be in a contract, and you only want to pay for what you use, why wouldn't you go that? $63. Boom, right there. So go over to coderadio.ting.com, and a huge thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. <clears throat> okay. So I kind of actually forgot what my prediction was. Let me uh, rewind my mind here because I'm still waking up over here. I have a holiday hangover, you know. Can't Not even. Good. I can't even blame it on. I can't even blame it on drinking. Uh, I think it was. Uh, oh, oh, oh. We got to talk about Steam before we wrap up because oh, Steam. We got to talk about it though because you got the Steam box. You got Steam Greenlight. I think it's. I I still believe that Steam will be in 2014. Will be the platform for independent developers to get the widest audience. And now. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, Steambox, we're going to have CES here in a couple of weeks. Here's my prediction. SteamOS does pretty well in the enthusiast space, which is all you really should expect for the first year. Steambox, guys like me, pick one up, maybe I build one. Not even going to hit 2% of the Steam user base by the end of 2014. Just because... To get the performance requirement you really need, you either have to buy a really expensive Steam box and put that in your living room, which is a questionable proposition to begin with, or you've got to get a decent Steam box, have a gigabit network in your house, and have a really good Windows PC that's going to stream all the games to your Steam box and be taking up the Windows PC. And I just I don't see that. Do that. Yeah, it's not going to have mass appeal in 2014. But I think a lot of the kinks will be worked out in 2014. I think in 2015, we'll be seeing maybe a version uh, based on Intel Broadwell processors, maybe a version 2.0 of the Gabion controller. And, you know, maybe we'll be talking about something different at the end of 2014. But I think what you're going to see is the, a lot of the groundwork in 20. I don't think you're going to, I don't think it's a breakout year for the Steambox or SteamOS, but I think it's going to be a good year. What do you think? I don't think the Steambox is going to do very well. At um, all, at period. No. I, I, I don't know if you can get them cheap enough to compete with the consoles until the consoles are a little older. Yeah, but then the consoles get cheaper as they get older. Right, but you eventually, you know, in four to five years, you'll yeah. even, even more. You'll hit, well, if, isn't that kind of, don't you think that's kind of their strategy is to sort of have them, you know, ready to, for prime time as the new generation of consoles sort of reach that point where they're no longer that interesting maybe but i'm also not entirely sure that sony and microsoft uh certainly nintendo's not going to are going to try and make these consoles last as long as the other ones did. yeah i could see that because now that they're intel based and things like that they don't have to wait for a whole new generation of power pc processor or cell right. processor and, to come out and frankly it costs less money to do the r&d because they're not developing all the crap right they're buying off the shelf parts yeah um also i you know, no one's really talking about it, but certainly the consoles lost revenue from people going to the PC towards the end of this generation. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to get back to a four-year cycle. I'm saying it's probably going to be six years, right? So they're not going to push the eight-year cycle they did this time. So I guess, too, the Steam box doesn't have to sell at 
it even you know anything comparative to the PS4 or the Xbox because the Steam box is only one spoke of the Steam strategy for yeah uh, I think the Steam strategy is definitely going to be they're going to dominate alternative gaming meaning Mac and Linux um but I think they're primarily going to be a PC company only the hardcore of the hardcore are going to really get the box yeah it's probably got to have a lot of media streaming capabilities like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and you know iPlayer and all these things that you would want on a media connected TV device right? right and until it gets that you know yeah, I just don't see it being super competitive. And what's going to be challenging for for us, the Steam box, is at the same time, they're going to be kind of getting all of their S together and kind of getting a real nice box. Um, the ARM-based stuff is going to get even better and faster, and its relative price won't increase. So, right, so that, where the OUYA flopped I, in 2013, yeah. maybe in 2015, you know, something like the OUYA could be comparative, right? Because you're already seeing, like, with the A7, you're seeing... Uh, Xbox level graphics, at least like you know, near Xbox level graphics. Um, yeah, it is going to be a really tough proposition for Valve. However, however, if you look at it, if you look at it, you, it doesn't have to be a huge winner. You just need to be able to sell your game on the desktop and on a console, and they're going to give you that for a developer. So the problem is, I think Valve has been doing a lot of things to avoid a problem that doesn't really exist. Right? Um, I I really don't think Microsoft is ever going to shut them out. Um, well, uh, that's just because the Windows App Store sucks. If it didn't suck, if it right. was a really good store and a lot of stuff was being sold in there, I think their fear would have been a little more realized. Valve. Right, and I, I'm, I'm not sure that Valve has the profit margins or the will to, to, to make a Steam box cheap enough and absorb the losses. Well, they're not making them. I think they might make one, but they're trying to get hardware partners to do it. Right, so that's already a losing game, right? Yeah. I mean, if we've learned anything from the resurgence of Apple, it's a vertical integration, baby. Yeah. I mean, the whole partnership thing, you end up with crappy, plasticky laptops from HP. Well, what about, like, you take the Microsoft approach with Windows Phone where you say, you got to meet these requirements in order for us to bless it, and if you work within this sandbox of what we want, then it's okay. And then you kind of get, you know, a quantified experience every time. Maybe. I mean, the problem is the only test case we have for that hasn't done extremely well. Yeah. Um, And I still think it's going to come down to if a Steam box is $500, Who's not going to buy a PS4 or an X-Bone? Yeah, you'd really, I mean, you'd have to be a real Steam fan, right? And that's possible there. I mean, the Steam community is big. I mean, the the one area that might help them is if you have a gaming PC and it's coming time to upgrade, maybe you are just thinking, well, it'd be nice to be in the living room, you know? uh, No. But again, the the cost benefit there, you know, you can slot out parts in your gaming PC. Yeah, and, and who really wants to have a big PC hooked up to, in their living room? I mean, I, I, I have one right now, actually. But right. Well, I, I, my hope is that the Steam boxes are kind of sleek, right? They're kind of PS4 style. Yeah, I think they will be. Yeah. Right. But, but what I'm saying is if you build your own, like if you, if you repurpose right. an old Steam machine, you, then you have this big rig in your living room like I have. No, right I, no I'm saying you wouldn't do that, right? You would opt yeah. for the Steam box instead. Yeah, yeah I think so. But I, I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope at CES they unveil something that blows me away and I, you know, I might be first in line. But I'm just I'm having such a good time in the limited gaming time I have with the X1, um, and it's not even to, you know Chris. It's so sad. It's not even with the gaming stuff. I play very few games. Mm-hmm. It's all the. It's really convenient for me to walk into the other room and make a French press and just tell it what to do and it'll respond. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like having Jarvis a little bit from Iron Man. Little Jarvis. Jarvis, actually. who constantly thinks I'm my friend who comes over all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it's uh, no, it's 
I don't see it. I, I don't. I don't see a third. Third. I mean, you know, it's always Pepsi Coke. It's not Pepsi Coke, Doctor Pepper, right? I just don't see a third guy running in this race. Yeah. Unless it's Nintendo, but they're kind of doing their own little thing on the side. I'm hopeful, um, but I I can see what you're saying. Uh, I I think that there's a possibility. Well, I think Steam's going to be the <clears throat> premier PC. When I say PC, I mean personal computer, not Windows market for indie developers and and honestly it's where i get all my pc games right i just i don't think people in large numbers are going to buy the steam box and that that doesn't spell doom for steam at all in fact i don't think it really matters to be honest yeah right it it doesn't matter and that's kind of that's kind of why they're not they're not as there's not as much online as like there was for the ouya where it's all or nothing well i yeah i mean ouya the whole company was one product and frankly that product was didn't didn't match the marketing right Right. I mean, it, you know, I, I have two Uyas. Um, one of them's holding a door open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had mine hooked up for a few days and just decided. No, in fact, I gave them away, but yeah. They, um, they gave them the kids. But... Yeah, I should give my Uya away. That's a good idea. Well, the kids, you know, because they can play like, they downloaded their emulators and they were happy. and they, yeah. Well, uh, any last, I'll take any last calls from the chat room too if you guys have any 2014 predictions. I think, you know, it's hard to nail down. I, I think, just to sort of summarize, I think what we're going to see is Google's going to have the biggest waves. I think we might see another crack at Google at trying to commoditize web applications, you know, yeah. a web store kind of thing, and another, right. another crack at that at Google I.O. Um, and uh, maybe we'll see a, 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 an actual shipping consumer version of Glass this year. Which would be? I, I don't. I don't. I think 2015, but maybe, maybe so, maybe so. I would say I think Google is definitely going to be king of the hill for 2014 as long as they don't do anything so vagrant that the FCC gets involved. So is this the year we see the Apple iWatch? Does anybody want this product? No. Well, actually, I was going to tell you one of the other things I got uh, for the holidays was a Fitbit, and uh, really? there's one you, thing I. You would replace that with an iWatch, but the full... I don't know about an iWatch, but something like it. I want something with a touchscreen. So the first thing I wish it could do after I put it on my wrist was messaging. I thought that'd be really, really like... great if I could dictate you know, a text message to it. it... Yeah, I wear a traditional watch, and I, I, I just... You know, the watch is kind of like a... This is going to sound really uh, questionable. It's like an accessory, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't see an iWatch looking good enough that I would give up my right. current watch. And it's boy, it's gotta, it's gotta offer something that makes it worth. I mean, because it's not like it's that much effort to pull a phone out of a pocket. So right. they gotta really offer something there. Right. We'll see. Do you think it'll happen in 2014? No, I don't. I, I think, I think what we're gonna get really from Apple. The big thing is gonna be iPad with a keyboard. Pfft, what? No, you're crazy. Yep. You're crazy. iPad Pro. <laughs> Maybe it's definitely. I think we'll definitely see a bigger iPad called the iPad Pro. And then whoever the CEO of Microsoft is will drop a deuce in his pants and cry. Maybe that'll be the <laughs> hey oh. Maybe that'll be the one that's got a quad core in it. Mm? Mm? Oh, four cores of Angry Birds. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So, uh, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover before we run this week? Uh, no. Just one more prediction. More mumble chat rooms. Yeah. You want to do? Oh, yeah. That worked out pretty good, didn't it? Oh, we do that sometimes. Oh, yes. Yes. All right. Very good. Yeah. Maybe we'll. Uh... Look forward to that and more of that in 2014. All right, everyone. Well, send us your email. Send us your questions, your thoughts, your pontifications, as it were, over at coderadio.jupiterbroadcasting.com. Easier yet, just pop that contact link over at jupiterbroadcasting.com and choose Coder Radio from the dropdown. You can also go to our subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com, engage with the community, vote things up and down. Helps 
sort of influence the direction of the show. We look at that before the show starts. Mr. Dominic, where should we send folks to find you throughout the week? They can find me at Dumanuko on a Twitter. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what? You can find me on Twitter, too, at ChrisLAS. We'll have links to that shenanigans in the show notes as well. And join us live on a Monday over jblive.tv at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. See you right back here. Happy next- New Year! Oh, yeah, Happy New Year! <laughs>